0: And welcome back in another edition of Stripe Show Podcasts. And I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. And there he is. I, uh, you know, he, he wanted to have a day off because he's been here in my <laughs> neck of the woods the last week at TPC Sawgrass Players Championship. If you listen to golf on the radio, you know who this man is. He's He's one of the best voices on the radio. I enjoy listening to him. And he was in the final group on the weekend. At TPC Sawgrass Players Championship. Will, I can't thank you enough. I know you're tired. Appreciate you coming on the Stripe Show podcast, my friend.
1: You gave me outs to not do it, and yet I'm still doing it. So here I am, and <laughs> I appreciate all the love for the listening, but we're coming off the high of the final round of the Players Championship, and I tweeted this out earlier today. Our, you can always listen to our highlights, by the way. If people don't listen to us on PGA Tour Radio, there's actually a podcast, PGA Tour Replay, and -hmm. you can hear, you know, what happened through the day. So Fred Albers, who in my opinion is the legend, he is he is the voice of all of the voices of us on PGA Tour radio. He's been doing it for a really long time, has a great backstory, and is really clever. He had the call of forever yesterday on Justin Thomas's eagle on eleven. Um, you have to hear it. He, he worked in, it's a a number of phrases in the excitement of the moment, which by the way is, it's so good for us because we have fans back. And while logistically it's harder with fans, it's, it was very easy there for a while when I could just scoot around a golf course in a golf cart and call golf from the seat of my pants. Um, the having energy of fans was huge. It was it completely changed what we can bring to the table and how it makes us better as broadcasters. But Fred dropped the call of all calls that ended with a sizzle and his fashizzle. <laughs> at the end of the call on the ego putt yesterday, it. Is, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get T-shirts made. uh I mean, this is this is this. Oh, it's the best. It, it's the He's absolute going. best. So again, if you go to my Twitter handle at Will Haskett, whenever you're listening to this, I'm probably not gonna tweet very much. So it's gonna be near the top of it. I tweeted the link to the podcast that has the highlights, and I think it's like 90 seconds. And Travis, it was. It was the most quintessential Fred Albers moment ever. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> I almost died under a tree. I fell I got, over listening to this.
0: They're like, let's go to Will. Wait, get, get up, Will. Are you laughing? Yeah,
1: no, I'm done. I was toast. <laughs> toast at that point in time.
0: You know, I got to tell you, I I have really grown to love listening to golf on the radio. I mean, you guys do a great job. The energy is good. You do a really good job, like painting the picture. It's good excitement. I love the way it's produced. I mean, it's, you know, I... You asked me that five years ago, I would have said no, like I'll watch it on TV, you know, and I still do, but I really thoroughly enjoy you guys do a great job there um, on the radio. And I know there's a lot of people that feel the same way, especially in the gambling space, like a lot of these guys really enjoy PGA tour radio and the way that you guys cover the sport. And you were right there inside the ropes in the, in the final group um on yeah, the weekend and to
1: that point by the way i think it's because yeah. we cover a lot of golf we we call a yeah. lot of golf shots and then we provide context for what just happened and that's not a knock on the guys in tv they're definitely in more of an entertainment space when they're doing it and i think we definitely pr- probably call more shots on the radio than they show on tv it's not by a wide margin um but because the medium is simpler and we don't have to worry about working in a lot of different elements. It allows us to kind of strip things down and talk about some things. So we're always mm-hmm. trying to improve it. So I appreciate the really the kind words, but you're right. Yeah. Like, I've heard from a lot of people that are in uh, the gaming and the gambling side of things that listen to us because they know that they're going to get every sort of shot. They're learning more about the rounds of the players, um, instead of just sort of hopping back and forth and getting the highlights, um, that you would see from sort of the television side of things. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You guys are really doing a terrific job. And there's, I think back to Sunday and I'm sitting there and I'm listening and I'm watching and there's, there's three shots that happen. Will within like this 10 minute span, one of them, mm-hmm. Brendan Todd shanks it. It's like, Whoa, 17 is the last place to, you want to shank a shot. Then Bryson steps up to four and tops it (laughs) into the water. Almost hit me. (laughs) Okay. And then Lee, that's what I mean, literally hits a banana slice over into the water. What in the world were you thinking on number four on Sunday? Players championship, best player in the world. This dude just topped it. This dude just sliced it. What is happening?
1: You know, every time we try and tell ourselves and we we say this all the time, in fact, it's in our marching orders every week of you never say, hey, somebody's got a tournament locked up or it looks like so and so is going to be able to go on and win because we've seen too many crazy things. I know this sounds like cliche catchphrases sort of stuff. The guy from the PGA Tour radio team is supposed to say this, but. There is something different that happens when you get to the back nine on Sunday. And I don't care if it's the players championship or the John Deere classic or wherever it is. Things tighten up and we get puckering and weird, weird shit happens, man. Like it just, (laughs) it's just, it goes down. Like, Mm -hmm. right. I mean, it's, we always just seem to sort of find ourselves in that. It just happened to come a little bit earlier in the round. Now Mm -hmm. talking to Lee Westwood after the round and he was so gracious and he still was smiling after it all. He admitted that he showed up on the first tee and knew he didn't have his best stuff. Like his swing did not feel good. He was struggling with it off the tee all day. So for him to get up there and wipe it into the water, like he did on four wasn't, super surprising but that came right after Bryson buzzed my tower. I mean, that ball came whizzing past me and I was wow. the only person that saw it in bed in the bank because everybody else is already up. It's a, it's a weird hole because there's a bunch of palmetto bushes that are down the left-hand side. So any fans that are trying to work their way down that hole, don't have access to see that strip of all the forward tee boxes. And so I had just gotten up there far enough, but I was on foot yesterday. I wasn't in a cart. And so I, I, you know, my only way to see the tee ball was to stick my head out there at that forward T and kind of watch those T balls. And I mean, I think Rich Beam was there with Sky and Roger Maltby was there with NBC and those guys had already gone up ahead because it's, again, it's an awkward hole. You kind of want to get ahead because the hills and everything to be in position logistically for the shots Mm -hmm. are going to be. And all of a sudden, I see this ball and it comes (laughs) off this club and knuckle straight forward and it embedded inside the penalty area just above this sort of cove of water. And I'm the only person that saw it. And Travis, we never found it. Bryce and I looked for the ball for maybe 45 seconds and I'm like, Bryson is right in here somewhere. But that thing made the sound like like the ground oh. swallowed that ball Right where it was. Now you can't get relief, so it didn't really matter. He was going to mm-hmm. take a drop. We didn't have to go, you know, and spend three minutes looking for it. But it was just—it was weird because I didn't expect that from Bryson. No. Um, I know it's a harder shot for him, you know, with what he's trying to do. You would know better than me what he's trying to do with that little stinger iron from a control standpoint, and it, it, maybe that's a more of a possibility than if he's just swinging up on something and and putting it out there. But uh, yeah, it, you knew right then and there that crazy things were going to continue happening. And you know what? If you had told me that both of them would have a chance with three holes to go to still win that golf tournament that very moment i don't know if i would have believed you but other crazy stuff happened that allowed those guys to just kind of be there down the stretch
0: yeah it was uh you may not see bryson never hit that shot again in his career mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah. you just don't ever see a tour player actually just i mean he it was a cold top i mean just yep. belt you know just above the equator never got off the ground and, and right into the water and yeah you make a good point westwood his swing was not intact you know that he seems to that shorter swing. His body wasn't moving as good. You could definitely yep. see him leaning on it. His path was way to the left. He had a lot of low poles. And then, of course, when you do that, the face stays open. Then he can hit the wipe to the right. At the age of 47, that's a real thing. You wake up, your body doesn't feel great, right? We know guys in their late yep. 20s, early 30s struggle that. You can imagine a guy um, in his late 40s. You talked about Lee being in a good head space, which he does, smile, looks happy. Um And it's refreshing, right? To see Lee out there having such a good time playing great golf. You know, JT hasn't been in a great space. Everything that has happened to him um, on the course, off the course, his grandfather, who he's very close to, he's been a tough spot for a month. Was it, did it appear to you as it did to me that literally on 16 on Friday, he makes birdie. He makes birdie on 18. It's like, and then all of a sudden it was like, I'm back. I mean, he, he, he was just like, I'm back and he comes on Saturday and he darn near ties the course record shooting 64 and JT looked like JT to me all over again on Saturday after a couple late birdies on Friday.
1: Yeah, and he talked about it after the round yesterday when he won. He said it was one of his best ball striking rounds ever that he can remember mm-hmm. and this is a guy that's had some pretty incredible ball striking rounds. I mean for him to hit 17 of 18 greens and I say he hit 17 and a half of 18 greens cuz he was off by a, a what a, a centimeter on 18. Mm-hmm it mattered the most and I saw him walk I called his birdie putt on on Friday and at that point in time you know he was two inside the cut line or one inside the cut line so he stood up on the 18th tee, knowing that if he rinsed it on Friday he wasn't going to make the cut and I, his mom gave him a hug right after the round on Friday she was waiting and it was before he even got to sign his card so you could just sort of tell that it was an emotional weekday, a lot of players, Colin Morikawa, who's I was with, had an emotional needing to make birdie at the last to make the cut. I mean, those yeah. guys, there's pride there. There's a lot of sort of value in trying to figure it out and fighting through in these big tournaments. Not necessarily thinking you're going to give yourself a chance to win, but just because you want to be there on the weekend. You want to compete against the best, no matter what the circumstance might be when you get to it. And then lo and behold, that just sort of snowballed and carried over for him. And let's be honest, the door was left open for him to walk through on Sunday, and he probably shot the worst score he could have shot, given how he hit the ball. I mean, Mm -hmm, which is kind of amazing to think about from JT's standpoint. But yeah, you're right. Those are the things that sort of stack up. And then whatever that was to allow him to get over the hurdle, if it was just putting together a couple of good holes to show himself that he could get himself into that tournament or into the weekend and then the floodgates kind of open from there. He has the best round. And then he's one of those guys that when it gets figured out, it's not like he throws a 64 on the board and the next day is a 73. We typically see three or four rounds like this in a row or two or three tournaments like this in a row for Justin Thomas because when it's all in sequence, it's really working and it carried over. And he was so patient. And for him to put up with all of the 10-footers that he missed mm. over and over and over again and stay the course in that final round, it pays off for him with the ego putt on 11. And then he just kind of holds on for dear life. From that point, but the eagle was such a was such a huge body shot to the rest of the field, especially mm-hmm. to Lee Westwood, you know, who was struggling behind in the trees there on that par five. Right after it happened, is that it, it just changed everything, I and mean, you could feel the crowd trying to pull Lee along, mm-hmm. but it was going to be a big mountain to climb, and Justin wasn't going to make a
0: mistake, and he didn't. Yeah, Outside he the three putt right, yeah, on fourteen. After a, yeah. after a great drive. I mean, after just a, right. a brilliant drive right But down he wasn't going to make
1: double, you know? The ball yeah. striking was too good that he wasn't going to make a double bogey. I mean, right. the only chance that Lee Westwood probably had, realistically, if he wasn't going to go out and get it and make birdies, was Justin was going to have to rinse it on 17 or 18. Yeah. That was yeah. really the only chance that you had to catch him at that point in time. And he was hitting the ball too well for that to happen.
0: Yeah. He was hitting the ball really, really well on the weekend. And, and you're right. You know, when he gets it going, it's a, it's a freight train and it, that yep. train is rolling for a while. And that's what I did in my, on my, on my picks. You know, I was, my picks didn't do that great um, this week, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to get some live betting action here. I'm going to go in on JT to win. So I got some late odds on him to win. He comes back and wins. we salvaged the week, but that's why I did because that when I started to see him go on Saturday, I was like, watch out. Here comes yeah. JT because this is gonna go on for a while. And sure enough, it did. And I, I gotta tell you, what a turnaround in driving. WGC Mexico, he lost six strokes to the field, strokes get off the tee. Six. I mean, he was all over the place with his driver. This week, he's 3.5 and he hit some. Cool shots down the stretch on Sunday. Um, That drive on 14 is not easy. As you know, that is a very, very tough driving hole. It might be one of the most uncomfortable golf holes that I've ever been on. Um, I mean, he pipes it. He goes to 15, hits a power fade. That might be the longest drive I've ever seen. Through the fairway. I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen a drive there. Then he goes 16, he hits about that high off the ground, a low rope hook on purpose. I was like,
1: hey, okay, Twitter says he toe hooked it and it wasn't on purpose. And it's like, no. And Mm -hmm. the the reason why I'm on the hill to the left of 15 green, getting ready for approach shots from Westwood and DeShambeau. And I turn around, I'm standing right behind JT's mom, watching him hit that tee ball. And as soon as he made contact with the ball, he didn't even finish his Mm -hmm. backswing. He was already twirling and going to get the tee. He did exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted that ball chasing. He wanted it low to get it down the fairway. He wanted the same thing on 18. So (laughs) anybody that's out there dropping this, oh no, no, no." he missed it by a groove or he hit it off the toe. And like, he did exactly what he wanted to do yeah with that shot because you could see it in his reactions like i am in an absolute flipping zone right now Mm -hmm. and i can do whatever i want to do to the golf ball
0: it was amazing i mean you could have had two different shots high fade low hook i was like that's the coolest thing i've seen all year right yeah game over that's the coolest thing i've seen all year those two shots i mean that was awesome and then at 18 he just hammers that i mean he was a little more left than he wanted but he he roped that one too you know on the left side on 18 so i mean this driver right we know jt his iron game is him and more are the two best stroke and approach players in the game. I mean, yep. they are so good with their irons. JT driver was a difference for me. This dude hit some shots with that, with that, with the tee ball down the stretch and TPC is no place to be messing around off the tee. Like no. you better step up there on 14. You better have it together. Yep. You better step up there on 15. You better have it together. 16. You got a little more wiggle room. I get to par five. You can, you can overcome 18. You better have it together. And this dude just stepping up like, phew, phew every which way low high. Yep. i'm like sign me up this is must watch tv and what a difference it was from the last time he played um at the wgc where the guy couldn't find it i mean it was hitting it all over the place so to me the driver really stood out um will i mean on, on you know on late sure. on sunday what, what else for you with with jt that really stood out as you uh, as you followed him there on the, on sunday
1: You know, and full control too, because you're thinking about this, like I'm listening and getting sort of watch it as I get up and I see that, but, and I'm watching a lot of obviously what Westwood and DeChambeau were doing. And you've got Lee Westwood, who's openly talked about the fact that he's just taking an entire side of the golf course out of his T game. Like he knows that when he, he's taking the left side of the golf course out of play, he can hit a draw and he admittedly will hit a draw when there's no trouble to the left if he overcooks it but for the most part like he's going to hit a cut off the tee which is like 16 he doesn't want he didn't get any run out mm-hmm. on his shot he had 247 yards maybe it was 239 maybe it was 249 somewhere in that range between 235 and 245 is what lee west had had in on 16 yesterday because he played a high soft cut off the mm-hmm. trees down the left hand side and got maybe four yards with a roll whereas justin thomas roasts a three wood not off the toe twitter and mm. gets that giant sort of chase out which gets him down to the ability to hit, hit an iron into uh into that hole especially like he did on when he hit, nearly had the albatross on saturday and so The yardage that Lee Westwood loses in that, in not wanting to move the ball, ends up costing because he doesn't have the ball flight to then go over that that live oak tree. He ends up catching up in the branches. It comes down into that waste sort of bunker, and he has to scramble to make his five. There is that Justin Thomas's complete control of his golf ball and saying, "I can hit it left to right. I can hit it right to left. I can manipulate and have complete control of my golf ball under pressure." that shows me a championship level. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. Lee, what Lee Westwood has done is wrong. No one's no. saying that most, most all the best players have at some point in time been like, you know what, how can I eliminate one half of the golf course? Because minimizing my misses it, minimizing my bogey chances is way more important than maximizing my birdie chances. We've talked, I'm sure you talk about that all the time. So finding ways to eliminate mistakes is great. But when all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're on a golf course and this golf course demands the best test of the best golfer that week, you have to be able to control your golf ball in a in every single way if you want to rise all the way to the top justin thomas found that control and wasn't afraid to go left to right or right to left on whatever the situation demanded
0: it was cool to watch it really was i i you know tbc sawgrass tends to you know kind of kind of bring out that draw but sometimes you really felt like players were on the edge coming in, like every swing could be the difference, you know, and you go back to, like you said, on Friday on 18 for JT, he rinses that. He's not even in the tournament for crying out loud. That's what TPC does. And uh, it just really played out very well. Another guy on 16 Bryson went over the trees. I mean, he had like a buck seven left. It was just nothing. Throws it in there makes Eagle. I watch Bryson. Okay. And the distance we know, is beyond impressive. Can like, I stop? Wait, we, I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah, I'm going to stop okay. you right there.
1: This is my campaign, okay? okay? I want everybody to stop using the word distance when we talk about Bryson. I just want them to just change the word distance and just say speed. The speed, speed. the speed that Bryson plays with. Yeah. Because if we just uh, – if we approach the sentence – and you know where I'm going with this. Travis, mm-hmm. I'm not getting on your case here, Travis. I'm just – I think it would completely change the narrative around Bryson if we started every statement about what he's doing with the speed with – that he is generating. Cause then it, then it, it, it drops and everything else. I'm sorry for interrupting. Yeah, Please no, continue.
0: no, it's fair. I mean, you know, the speed, length, distance, power game, right? Like <laughs> check. He's number one. He's the alpha yeah. right now when it comes to that. Um, so much to the point you've, you've got guys like Rory McIlroy feeling the need to add more power, which was just crazy to me when he came out with that. We'll get to that in a second, but here's what impressed me with Bryson. Two things. One is is that he stayed the course with his game plan. He didn't get overly aggressive when he knew he had to make some things happen. Now, he was playing that driver on 16 the whole time. He aimed for the center of the green on 17. Um, hit four on 18. So there's a real discipline happening from his course management standpoint. That's number one. Uh, number two, the kid just fights. He's not a kid, but you know what I'm saying. Like, the young man, he fights. Fight. And yep. he is a fighter, man. Like, he will grind you... To the end, you're gonna have to say, "Look, hey Bryson, the tournament's over, right? Yep. It's time to it's time to shut it down. That guy is a grinder. He's a fighter. He's disciplined with his course management. What what stands out to you? You're inside the ropes with this guy. Um, is there anything else that you would add to this long, impressive list of of Bryson?
1: You hit the nail on the head a lot of that. I mean, I think this was his worst finish when he finished tied for third, right? This was his worst finish in the last three years when he was within two shots of the lead going into Sunday. Like, he doesn't choke. Most of the time he wins like he finds a way to get it done. I I don't think we're giving him enough credit for being a winner. I agree being a guy who finds a way to get it done when most people find a way to not get it done when they're in similar situations. Uh, It's that he has all of the shots, even though we only tend to focus on the one club. And the one thing about his game, the fact that he really didn't have any T game to speak of and his irons were up and down Thursday and Friday, and he just putted the ball really well. The fact that he can chip with a method that I don't think most instructors would teach, you know, as upright as he is, and the things that he does, but the control that he has, the creativity that he has, and the reason why he's not, you know, the butt of jokes. Amongst his peers on the PGA Tour is because these guys watch him. It's the reason why Lonto Griffin gave him a fist bump when he put the two arms in the air at Bay Hill it wasn't because Lonto was impressed that he hit it 340 or 350 in the air. It's that Lonto and everybody else out there know how much time he's had to sacrifice and how much work he's had to put in to do some of the things that he is doing to challenge the status quo of the game and to try and do it differently. Now, if you don't like what he's done in the game, if you don't like how some of the rules and the equipment are set up to benefit what he's doing in the game, that's a completely separate conversation, but you can't be upset at a guy who is literally spending every waking moment of his day trying to get better in a million different ways, working out, putting time in on the range, studying what needs to get done, looking at strategy, and when that round was over with yesterday, Travis, he did a couple of interviews and he stood right next to me at the mm. back of where they had the ceremony going on with Mike Tirico and and, mm-hmm. and the Commissioner Jay Monahan, and he just stood there and he watched, and he watched J- JT talk about his round, about what he did, and everything, and just sat there and just I mean he wanted it so bad he didn't get it done and he was there still in that moment be like I'm going to be on that stage here soon mm-hmm. and you could just see it already fueling his mind like what do I need to do what shot could I have done differently to get up on that stage next time
0: yeah it's impressive stuff I saw that tweet by you um that Bryson I wanted to was- take a
1: picture but that was weird I'm not that guy yeah. I'm not the guy to like I could I mean I was right there I was staying yeah. I could just doing it like this and done the camera behind him mm-hmm. and it would have gone viral and i you know, I probably would have got in trouble for it. So I didn't do it because it's just. But I, I wanted to share that later because. Again, what most people they get done, they leave, they go to their they go with their family, something like, like Bryson wanted to see that. It's like uh we're in, the, we're in March Madness. It's like the team that will stay out there when the confetti's falling and one shining moment's playing and they lost the national title game because they want to try and get back there. You know, mm-hmm. they want they want to feel the pain of not getting it done because it motivates whatever the next segment is. So, you know, you know, God bless Tim Tucker. He was probably on the range waiting for him with the bag after <laughs> that ceremony was over so he can start no. grinding away at the next win, you know? <laughs> That would
0: be great. The ceremony's over. The cameras go to the range, and there's Bryson Bryson's on the range, driver. baby. That's fantastic. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So, because I mean, we know Bryson is. I mean, he's, change, he, he's changing the game, the narrative for the yes. game. I mean, we we know power's always been important. It's it's always been a driving force in the game. You go back to Tiger. You go back to Jack. These guys were power players, right? And Rory's power. JT's got power. John Rahm's got power. DJ's got power. These are the top players in the game, right? Bryson DeChambeau, he's got the most amount of power. He's just taken a whole to a whole nother level here. Um, Scott Fawcett's coming on Wednesday on the podcast. And, you know, he tells the story of when the tour started back out in Texas at the Colonial and they played a practice round and Bryson was hitting at 40 yards past Rory every single drive. Yep. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's one thing 10, 15, but then you go 40 and it's like, Wow. Like that's, that's a whole nother level, right? That's the gear that he has. Now here's Rory coming out and he's, he's admitted in my, in my view, too honest. I appreciate the transparency. Well, it's great. It's great for our business, but as a player, coach player, I'm like, all right, there's some things that you just probably need to hold in a little bit. Your therapy session is not the world, right? There's some things you can be transparent, but I think in that case, that's a little too honest for me from a coaching perspective, Okay. but nonetheless, here's Rory saying, look, I'm out there changing my swing, trying to hit it harder. And it's affected him in a bad way. It affected Jordan Spieth in a bad way. There's way more stories where people chase distance. It hurts. The, the, the net effect hurts their game more. They just can't manage it. Right. Mm-hmm. Bryson took a huge risk. He's managing it. It's made him a better player. I was floored by Rory's statement I really was I couldn't believe it I was like Rory McIlroy of all people you could give me a list of 200 people he'd be number 200 that would ever bark up that tree to think that I this is what I need to do to be competitive
1: am I wrong I don't know I don't know because here's the thing he's just like Bryson what do I need to do to get better like what can I do to continue to get better and so you know, and you could see him measure he was trying to measure everything you said so it wouldn't get taken out of context. And that's I think why you can't ev- be
0: that honest though. Like, I think why.
1: everything was great in the statement until he said I wouldn't be lying. I'd be lying if I said that watching what Bryson did at the U S open didn't affect things, which I think was then exactly that. that was, that's now the news cycle, right? Right. Like mm-hmm. That's going to be the clip. And then what's lost is on the backside of it, him being like, what people don't understand about Bryson is that what he's doing with speed and strength and being so upright and being able to hit down on the golf ball is that he's able to play it out of the rough easier than we are and hit these clubs into there. And he gave a great dissertation on why Bryson is good, not just because he hits bombs. And and that's what I wish had gotten clipped. Because instead, now what are we talking about? Oh, Rory's messed up because he's trying to hit it as far as Bryson. No, this goes back to the beginning of it. It's not necessarily about distance. It's about speed. It's the sp- He's seeing what the speed gains of Bryson are doing through the bag, making him a better player. You're right. I, I get yep. it. I understand that if you're working with Rory, you're like, oh, now we're going to have to deal with the PR sort of follow up it. I don't want Rory to ever change. I appreciate his honesty and oh, I love course. hearing from him and everything yeah. like that. But I think that gets lost in it. And what I see from Rory is just like where Bryson was that Bryson 18 months ago decided that he was going to completely bulk up and go crazy big into this distance and this length thing. And at the very, very beginning of it, Travis, people were like this is insane, like we were making jokes about the protein shakes. And mm-hmm. I know he's brought a lot of it on himself because there'd be some silly Instagram videos of him pumping iron or, you know, sort of things that happen that sort of open yourself up to the critique of it all. But he went all in on finding an edge and exploiting it. And he's become one of the best players in the world because of it. So I'm not surprised yeah. that even a player who's number one, two or three in the world, like Rory McIlroy will be like, well, man, if there's still capacity here for me to get better in an area that I'm seeing results of someone doing, then I should at least explore this.
0: Yeah. explore explores one incrementally. It's a process. Like you're just—it's not a pill. Like you just don't take a pill all of a sudden. No. You know, like like all of a sudden I'm longer and everything's great. So there's a process to this. I mean, Bryson and Chris have been working on this COMO for two and a half years. This is not Mm -hmm. just flip the switch, forty pounds, out of COVID, off we go. This has been going on for a while. So I was just shocked by that he felt the need to do that. I know Bryson. And be dominant with his length, but he's not going to show up and win every tournament. It's not no. that Rory is short. He's the second longest hitter on the PGA tour. It just felt a little out of place. Um, it felt a little rushed, not thought through. When I hear Rory, I he seems a little lost right now. Like he seems he, just overall, yeah. he's lost on, on what he's trying to do and what he, the kind of player that he wants to be. And he's just kind of grabbing, which is a really scary place to be. He needs now to be DJ. C-
1: not Bryson. Yeah. Now like DJ's sacrificing. Is- you know, he's sacrificing to be better in other areas. DJ's sacrificing distance for control because he knew he was long enough, and he got better with the what. Like I still watch Rory. You know, play a good round of golf, and it'll be that wild ninety-yard wedge shot, and you're like, wait a second. Like, how did that? How did that just happen? Yeah. It's like it's not the driver. I I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. I totally understand where you're coming from. I just I'm not shooting the messenger because I think that the idea was what's the next way for me to get better? Maybe that wasn't the way for him to get better, but I don't, I'm not mad at him trying to pursue it because that happened to be the du jour way of seeing someone meteorically rise to becoming a dominant U S open player. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I, and people kind of got on me when I said it and I think my frustration with Rory, I'm a huge Rory fan. I love him. He's, he's probably my favorite player to watch and cheer for. I mean, he just, he's a wonderful person. I got to play with him at API a few years ago in the yep. pro-am met him at golf channel. Like he's just a, a plus guy. And, you know, I think my frustration for me is when I listen to him talk and I, this has been for me for a while now. He just like, there's no plan in place. It just like, he's, he's just grabbing right now. There's no plan. It's like, you know what? I'm going to get longer. Try that putter. Yeah. You know, it's like, wait a minute. You're he's not Rory, on,
1: Maybe he's not honest. You're maybe we Rory think he's honest, McElroy, but he's not honest. like,
0: let's get yeah. this figured out. Like you got the right team. Like, and now he's, um, I think he he seeked counsel with Pete Cowan um as of late. So there's some pieces that need to be rewired. Phil Mickelson, there's another one, right? Chase distance. That <laughs> dude can't keep it on the planet. No. You know, I mean, he's all over the place. He can on the
1: champions tour, though.
0: Yeah, he can. I was surprised he made the cut, to be honest with you, at the players played very well. Um, but there's a guy that again, like it's just so many stories. You just gotta be careful. It's gonna be fascinating. Well, I'll finish with this. It's gonna be fascinating in the next couple years to watch. It's not the next generation I'm worried about because these kids are coming up with speed. Okay. They're, they're learning it young. Will's Torres yep. can bomb it. Oh my it. gosh. I mean, bomb it, right? Like he's, Some he's violent he already swing
1: too. Yeah. He's already learned it.
0: Like there's nothing yep. else to learn. He's just going to put mass on and hit it further. That's always going to happen with Will. You know, like he's just still developing as a person, you know, it's in crazy. mass. It is. And there's more coming. Um, there's a gosh, there's a name uh, in Texas that Bernie Najar works with. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Patterson's his name. Ta- no, no, Tommy Morrison. Tommy Morrison. He's 6'8. Mor- he's six eight. he's six, a giant. 6'8, yeah. 15 year old. I mean, this is like, it's not those kids I'm worried about. What's fascinating is the people that are in it right now Rory, JT, Rom, like Bryson has set the bar. And now, how are they going? to manage it because they can't just take a pill and have the rest of their game still no. be good and put on, you know, fifth. so I'm just really curious here in the next couple of years to watch how these guys go about it. And they've got to be careful and protect their talent.
1: But Justin Thomas just won the players championship and he's never going to be able to do what Bryson does. There he knows go. he needs yeah. speed and he works on things. He'd certainly puts himself, his body through, um, the motions to be able to do some of the violent, um, movement that he needs to be able to do I think I saw some stuff today just from the TPI guys about you know some of the things that he's been doing in box jumps and everything for the explosive movement that has to right. be done but he he's never going to be able to pack on 40 pounds he packs on 40 pounds it's going to be in the wrong places if you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so there's mm-hmm. there's no way that he's ever going to do that Colin Morikawa knows he's not chasing distance although Colin still moves it pretty good I mean I was out there with him and DJ and Bryson uh the beginning of last week and that was he was kind of the odd man out right you had two what you would think of as long hitters and to be honest with you Colin and DJ were kind of together in fairways when you could grip it and go for it Colin was was pretty close to DJ and then there's another mm-hmm. 20 yards and you go and find Bryson's golf ball now DJ's also you know struggling to find it right now too he's had a little bit of a swoon but um when I see that it's like okay these guys know who they are you can be really elite at something and then if we can get everything else just kind of fall into the good category you're going to win golf tournaments that's what Colin Morikawa was doing right now if he can just find a way to be pretty good with a putter most yep. weeks He finds a way to win. Justin Thomas finally put the ball striking together and had a terrible putting Sunday statistically and probably by his own standards. It still won the players championship. You can find ways to get it done without having to chase whatever you think the white rabbit of the day is.
0: Yeah, it's it's fascinating. You know, we've been in the sport a long time. It's cool. I I feel like golf is really excelling right now. You know, I mean, the silver lining with covid, you know, was, you know, golf and participation uh, but we're in a great spot. We need, you know, we want, hopefully, Tiger can get back and play. We all know, fingers crossed. Uh, yep. But we are moving out of the Tiger Phil era. We, we we all understand that. Have to. And it's, yeah, we have to. Yeah. And it's cool to see um, this next generation. I love the distance talk. I think it's cool. You know, it's where, where's it going to go? Um, this next generation of players coming up, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, these guys, you think Bryson hits it a long way. We haven't even, we haven't seen the tip of the iceberg yet. I mean, there's there's more coming that, They'll grip down this this little bunt fade out there, three fifty five, three sixty. You know, just to get yep. it in play. <laughs> Forget about bombing it. Be That'll crazy. be the one they just heal cut out buy, there and put in
1: until play. we bifurcate, and then they'll only be hitting it <laughs> three ten, but they'll still be thirty yards longer than the average guy in tour. <laughs> right.
0: All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. Uh, always pleasure. enjoy listening to you. We'll do it again. Have a uh, have a great afternoon.